Hey guys, what's up? Just Matthew on this one. Casey and I were going to record this weekend, but we couldn't quite make it line up, so we just pushed that back for a couple days so we can get back together on that, which is not terribly unusual. We, we, we end up doing that a lot of times, like when one of our schedules gets crazy. But one of the things that we were going to talk about uh, on this episode when we were together uh, was the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, which you guys know I'm really into it. She's really not... But we do bring it up from time to time to just kind of touch on a couple things because I know a lot of you guys are really into the podcast too. So so we talked and, and we said, well, you know, instead of just kicking the can down the road and then bringing these points up when we're together, how about I just uh, monologue this and, and throw some thoughts down and we'll just put that into the feed. And that way when you and I get back together, then we don't talk about it at all. So we kind of do it that way. She was cool with that. So that's what we're going to do. Just a... Uh, just not not a full length episode, just me talking a little bit about it. So I know this won't have a lot of appeal to some of you guys who maybe aren't into the Mars Hill podcast, but we know a lot of you, you follow it pretty closely as I do. So I thought this might be fun to just talk about this. Um, so most of you probably know that the penultimate episode dropped this last week, two and a half hours long. This is episode 11. Um, one more episode and they've kind of hinted that there may be some, some postscripts, but, but one more, you know, official episode to the canon. And this is a big one. Uh, this one was, had a lot of stuff in it. Uh, this, this took them like an extra week or week and a half to actually put out because they had, I don't know, some editing things that they were working on. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it was the end game. And I think that's what a lot of us were kind of waiting on of how exactly did the downfall happen? Like you wanted to be inside the, 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 the fear bunker to, for the, to see the last moments, you know, for lack of a better example there. Um, the one thing that, that just stood out to me and I just did like a fist pump when, when this, when this happened um, to just pick a, a small detail of it was, one of the guys, and I think it was Jesse Bryant. It's, it gets kind of hard because you've got you've got like a, a bunch of different pastors talking about the same things, and a lot of them kind of sound the same. So it's it's difficult to always pick out who exactly is is speaking and, and remember the name. But I think it was Jesse Bryant, and he was talking about just some of the reorganizations that happened within Mars Hill, and he just said, "Mark's a coward." <laughs> He said, Mark is a coward. And I, I've been waiting 11 episodes for somebody to just say that explicitly. Because to me, that that's that, that's such a theme of, of all of, you know, the arc of the church and of Driscoll is just he is so motivated by fear. And I just I was made me so, you know, just vindicated to hear somebody who's on the inside confirm that that, you know, what he does is he's you know, the paranoia and the bravado, uh, you know, and, and all that stuff and the control is, is just, it just comes from a place of intense fear. And I think Jesse even said that, um, oh, how did he put it? Uh, he said that something to the effect of that's what all the bravado is about. He's afraid that someone will see how afraid he is. And it's like, man, like I have, you know, I, I mean, we, I, we all do that to some degree, but I think we've all also known guys that are like that, the the yappy dogs who are just always in somebody's face. But you kind of get this sense that it's that's all it is, is it's just bark. And that if 
you know, anybody ever actually stood up to them, the bully would back down. And and that's what that's what Driscoll is. He's he's a bully. He's always been a bully. Um, so that was that was just fantastic to hear that. And I would have loved to to hear that, to heard that expounded upon and and and, and taken further. But um, you know, that's kind of the the deal with this podcast is that there's a hundred different tangents, and people get really upset on Twitter. Like if if, if Mike Cosper doesn't take the precise tangent that people want, they're just going to erupt and throw a hissy fit. And it's, you know, and there's been tangents where I wanted to have explored and, and, you know, it just doesn't go that way. It has to go the way that they've, they've scripted it. And I, you know, that's, that's fine. I think you, I think we can all take a step back and just say, Hey, this is really well done. Even if it doesn't exactly follow the path that I want it to take, uh, it doesn't have to, you know, it, it can just be a great podcast with, with great production value in and of itself. Like even if it doesn't explore every, every nook and cranny of the cave that, that we want to, but, but going back to the coward thing, um, you know, just like the, the demanding the, you know, the setting up Sutton to, to fire people and to be the, the heavy handed person, you know, and the, even things like the, the, the NDAs and the non-competing, the non-competing agreements. Think, just think about that. If you work at a church and maybe this isn't as foreign as it should be, but to have to sign a non-compete agreement or to even be presented with one, just the, that's just such a window into the mindset of what was going on there and what goes on other places. I'm sure of just seeing other churches as competition. Um, that's what happens when, you know, you, you, the identity of the church is, is one man is, is, is the charismatic leader. But yeah, the, 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 the cowardice, if the, the two traits that really have stood out to me over the 11 episodes is just the fear of Driscoll, his personal fear, not the fear of him, but the, his personal fear. And also just his relationship with the truth is just amazing to me that you if you just catalog the lies he tells it's like oh, and, and this is 2020 i know this is you know i don't want to be that guy well i would have seen what was going on and i would have stood up to him from the beginning it's like no i probably wouldn't have but it's it's easier to see it looking back it's just how many lies did this guy tell i mean it's 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 baffling to me how nobody like it didn't it not it not just people didn't stand up to him but that it didn't register to people that like this guy's full of shit like he really and truly is full of it uh you know you go back to this the shifting details of his salvation story of what god and i'm from the charismatic movement that's where i was born and raised so i i'm really attuned to the whole god told me to say this narrative that immediately sets off warning signs to me but um the salvation, his origin story, how the details would change of, you know, what God said and, you know, this, that, and the other, um, just to this, like the stupid stuff where like I read a book a day, you know, I have piles of books that I've read and it's like, huh, you read a book a day. Like did, did nobody follow that up with what book did you read today? What book did you read yesterday? Tell me about these books. I would have loved to have heard that. Um, and in episode 11, you know, we even get a, another little snapshot of his dishonesty of, um, 
you just really embellishing and exaggerating the, the strange fire stunt. That was weird. I, like I, I remember when that happened, um, saying that you know he had you know been accosted and his books were taken away from him at the strange fire conference. And then they play the audio and it's like this, you know, I'm no fan of John MacArthur, but like his security guys at that conference were super duper nice and they weren't taking his, but they were trying to give his books back to him. And Driscoll was like, no, 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 you take them. Um, and, and you know, another episode 11 thing when he does the video and says, you know, we'd love to, or is in, in essence says, you know, we'd love to address the concerns people are having with Mars Hill, but, they're all anonymous and it's like none of them were anonymous what are you talking about like these people were front and center you had fired these people or had sutton fire these people um you knew who they were but the you know the the coup for the dishonesty is just the exit at mars hill and it's um you know god told him to leave god said there was a trap that was set for him and just the cover-up of you know telling people that there were death threats against him and his family and it's like you know, none of these things pass the sniff test. Like, you know, God told me to leave. <laughs> you know, it's just the the relationship he has with truth. It's it sets off all kind of warning signs of like this, this 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 may not be just a pastor. This may be this may be someone who is faking, faking the whole thing. You know, I mean, if I told you, if I told you a story about someone who had never been in church before never been a member of a church. Um, and you know, not that seminary makes you or breaks you, but never like had any kind of theological training and just decided in his early twenties that God told him to start a church. And then he builds this empire based on fear and intimidation and lies and, you know, then abuses people, flees in the dead of night, uh, and pops up in another state doing the exact same thing. Well, you'd say, well, this guy was a sociopath. Like this guy's just, this guy's a faker. And, and that's, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I'd like to hear that address too, of what part of him was actually genuine because it's, there's this undercurrent of just obsession with power and fame that, that fuels, uh, the, the Mars Hill narrative. And I'm not going to argue that God didn't allow himself to be used through that. Um, I don't understand that, but I, I, I don't think you can deny that, that God, definitely allowed himself to be used and the cause of the gospel in some ways furthered by that. Um, I mean, I don't know that that's, a, that's a mystery to me. That's, um, I can't pretend to understand that, but to go back to, um, to go back to episode 11, one of the reasons I was looking forward to this episode so much was just, I never quite got a sense of the mechanism that actually forced him out of Mars Hill. And it was fascinating to me to get to be on the inside, which just fantastic work of of bringing all this together, but to be on the inside for like the last few weeks uh, was just incredibly gratifying just to see that just a curiosity. Like I've just always been curious about that. And it, it's, I kind of suspected this, but just to have it confirmed was just incredible that nobody, nobody forced him out, that he left voluntarily. Um, you know, by that point, I think he had, he had eroded the vast majority of the, 
or not the vast, but he had eroded a lot of the accountability measures at Mars Hill. I don't know who the one person was other than maybe Dustin Kinzeru, who was probably gone at that point, who was just going to stand up to him to his face. And Kinzeru didn't really have the power to do anything uh, other than just make a scene. But, you know, at the end, like nobody forced, I just can't get over this. Like nobody forced him out. Like even with all of the evidence they had of, of his bullying and intimidation, they were, they wanted him to stay. Like they wanted him to stay and, and they were going to go through just like a slap on the wrist of, you know, restoration of, you know, you got to, you got to stop to the side for a little bit. We're going to put you through some restoration and just the superficial amount of accountability that they were suggesting to him. He was so fearful and just so paranoid that he was, he just decided to burn the house down instead of accept that. Uh, just even the smallest hint of restoration was too much for him. It was, no, that I have to be in control. I have to be in control of everything. And this is my final act of control, which is I'm going to seize control of the narrative. I'm going to punish you for even attempting to think about holding me accountable. And I'm going to leave and I'm going to destroy the whole church or what was left of it in my wake. And he did that. And he seized control of the narrative and it became, he was the martyr. He was martyred by Mars Hill and God told him to leave. And he was simply being an obedient servant to leave. He didn't want to leave. He loved Mars Hill, but you know, God told him and grace that they were going to leave and, and, and that he had to do that in obedience, which is just an amazing reframing that, um, you know, of course, the friendly audiences he would take that to accepted that as fact. And, and, and no one really checked him on that. Um, but just that's just incredible to me that at that point they still wanted him to stay. And you, you got a little, you know, in the episode, you got a little taste of that, of, you know, these these factions inside Mars Hill of uh, people who wanted to you know, to do something to rein him in, but also to the, I guess, to be charitable, pragmatic crowd who were saying, we have to keep this thing going. And I, the one, I can't remember who it was. One of the people on the inside on staff who wanted to keep him going. They actually, I think they had audio of it or maybe I'm just thinking that I can't remember one of the people on staff there was, was saying, you know, we have to, <laughs> essentially he was suggesting we have to think about the money here. And I know that guy looks really bad for saying that, but to, to give him as much grace as possible, I kind of, I can understand where he's coming from there. He's probably looking around at, at the room and he's thinking of all the families and he's thinking if Driscoll goes, we're all out of a job. Our families are out of a job. And yeah, that's wrong. That's the wrong way to look at it. You have to take care of the, the church and the people in it and uphold the name of Christ first and foremost. Um, but I, I at least understand where that guy was coming from, that this is a cult of personality. And and if Driscoll goes down, you know, pe- the people are going to take their tithe money elsewhere. They're just going to sit at home. Um, and, you know, at that point it was, it was too late, obviously to, to change, you know, the, the structure of the church because he had already set it up as a cult of personality, but you know, I, 
I, do, I just feel bad. You know, I feel bad for those people in there. And it was so disorienting to, it's been disorienting to listen to the series and to have these different threads of people inside the church and the staff and the ministry. And they were sometimes butting up against each other, but and in, you know, in conflict with each other, but they all, you know, had that awakening moment at some point of like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. We're doing it wrong. And it's, it's so disorienting to try to follow all of those threads of like, you know, this guy's fighting against this guy because one of them had their awakening first and the other guy's still kind of got Stockholm syndrome and is, you know, doing Mark's bidding. But then eventually they both kind of wake up and it's like, oh, geez. Yeah, we, yeah, we were wrong. Um, and you know, also to, just to be totally fair, like it, it is, it is a little difficult sometimes to hear those guys and, and just wonder like, you know, we're only getting one side of the story here. Like, did you really say that to Driscoll? Like, did you really, did you really buck as hard as you're saying you bucked against that? Or is this just a little bit of, you know, cosmetic effort in hindsight to, to make it look better for yourself? Um, and I don't know. And which, you know, leads us to the, to the final thing of, of, of Driscoll not participating in this, you know, barring some kind of uh, ninth inning surprise in the last episode, he's held his peace. He's held it. He has not commented on this whatsoever. And to me, that speaks very much to just to the paranoia and, and the fear, you know, because he knows, and I think I talked about this with Casey in an earlier episode, but he knows he doesn't have the high ground right now. You know, Christianity Today has got the, the high ground. They, they have the higher elevate. They've got the, the bigger audience. More people are listening and believing Christianity Today right now. And if Driscoll comes out, he's, he's not going to look good no matter what he says. Short of, I'm sorry, I'm stepping out of ministry, which is not going to happen. Um, so I think the only way he can reserve some form of control is to not say anything. It's just totally ignore it. And that way people will always be coming to him saying, well, what do you think? What do you say about this? How do you respond? How do you respond? How do you respond? And as long as he doesn't respond in some malignant way, he can kind of control that and say, you're not getting a response from me as a sort of like a final, I don't know, middle finger to everyone that no, it's, it's everybody against me. I'm the martyr here. And, you know, I just, I, I really pray for the people in his uh, Arizona church because I, you know, it's just, it can't be good. <laughs> it's just, let's just say it can't be good. So, um, yeah, just, those are just some of my thoughts about the, the Mars Hill podcast and, and more than just, you know, thinking that you guys deserve to hear what I have to say. That, that wasn't really the, the point of this. The point of this is this is a shared ground between me and, and you guys. And I want to hear what y'all have to say too. So, uh, this is really just an invitation for y'all to interact back with this and, and say, well, you know, I think you're wrong about this or, Oh, I didn't consider this or, um, you know, have you thought about this? And man, I just love talking about this stuff. Um, and, and I think it's important to the church to, to do postmortems like this and, and hash it out and hash it out publicly, you know, Let's do it publicly for everybody to see. Let's not try to just do all this behind closed doors. I think that's important too for the world to see that, you know, we actually do kind of care about when things go wrong. How do we fix that? How do we learn from that? And, you know, I just, I continue to think that a really important 
characteristic for Christians is curiosity. It's just to always be curious. What happened there? What went wrong? What did this person think? What did this person say? How could this have been different? You know, I think that's, I just think that's an amazing quality to have and something that I try to work on is just to always be curious. You know, if I don't understand something, you know, try to learn a little bit more about it. Try to find something about it that interests me so that I can understand it better. So there we go. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys listening to the show. Uh, Casey and I will be back uh, in a few days and she's dropped some, some hints for me of what we'll be talking about. And I don't want to say too much, but <laughs> uh, I think we'll be giving each other mundane awards. I think that's, that's part of it. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so I've been, I've been informed that I may receive an award for tallest member of my household. So things like that, just for very, very dumb awards. So appreciate you guys. And we will see you again in a few days. Uh, shout us out on Twitter and let us know what you're up to. See ya.